You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 209. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You've reached another Local Maximum. Get ready for this one because if any episode of Local Maximum is going to get me banned, it's going to be this one. The show title today is wiped off the face of the internet. It's actually the first time I named an episode before recording it, I think. So, um, but of course, it's not possible to be wiped off the face of the internet. It's kind of a, um, it's 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 kind of an ironic, an ironic term. But the tech industry, once characterized by visionaries who wanted technology to free us to do more with our lives, to go beyond our capabilities. Uh, the tech industry is now filled with petty, angry tyrants who desperately try to plug the dam on information that offends them, and they strongly believe that it is possible to wipe things off the face of the internet. Tech industry is characterized not by engineering, not by computer science, not even by design, creativity. Even human psychology is ignored, unless it's kind of the dark side of human psychology, like taking advantage of the Milgram experiment, which says most people will do whatever authorities say, but the tech industry is now in the hands of certain types of politicians and lawyers and journalists. Uh, I have so many names for them that I have written out throughout throughout here that I'm going to go over today. Um, what, what was the other one I have? The trust and safety mafia. Uh, the types that are entirely predictable and robotic. And what's more, they have zero humility. They are 100% sure that they are correct in all of their positions. And any action that they take that hurts people in response to their positions is not only justified, but it would be in grave injustice if they didn't take these actions, if they didn't, you know, try to, um, if they didn't try to remove people, if they didn't try to, uh, if they didn't try to scrub things clean uh, as, uh, as uh, whatever euphemism you want to use, their efforts are ultimately Futile, but they can achieve short-term objectives until their narrative collapses and the free information reroutes itself. So we're going to go into a few examples of that today. Um, So let's dive into what's going on. Remember in episode 202, I talked about the tech giants like Google reaching their saturation point. That means that, well, I kind of think of it as like a fruit that has ripened and now it's starting to go rotten. So we're going to look at some examples in a little bit. But first, Paul Graham, who is a longtime technologist and entrepreneur and tech investor, made the following tweet that shows part of this process, uh, that shows part of this process, part of the process of of reaching saturation points in text, part of the process of going rotten. And this tweet was actually kind of controversial. This is not one of the tweets that has been removed from the internet. We're going to get to that. This one was just controversial and caused a lot of discussion. And I think it's interesting. It's another interesting way to think about it. He tweeted, tech companies must keep shipping cool new things or die. Not because uh, customers require it, but because the best employees do. If your best programmers stop being able to ship new things, they'll leave to work somewhere they can. Um, This one in particular hit me hard because I love working on cool things, and I'm one of the employees that doesn't work on boring stuff for very long. I mean, I feel like I put up with it for quite a bit. I mean, uh, there's all those long hours of refactoring code, optimizing data pipelines, 
and not to mention going to all of these boring meetings, hours and hours and hours of these boring meetings. But when I can slip away from that, I, I will. I will, the first chance I get, especially if all, doing that, all that stuff is not helping my career. But I actually think, so I, I don't know, I, I feel like his statement here is kind of uh, talking about how uh, it's, this is a problem because, or, or not necessarily that it's a problem, but that it's just something that is part of human nature and tech companies need to do. So they need to start shipping new, th- cool new things or they die. And then the question is, well, is that wasting resources or is that good because of the cool new things actually moving us forward? Are they useless things? So I actually think that, uh, and, and also like, you know, do, do we need more employees who are in maintenance mode? That's a big question. I actually think there are a lot of employees who are good at being in maintenance mode, a lot of people who are good at it and they enjoy it. Um, I'm not one of them. I know that, but I need people who are like that. They might not be the ones uh, giving the company the innovative edge, but those types of people are badly needed in every company and they are not responsible for like, you know, uh, for uh, innovative decay. They are not responsible for the lack of innovation. So, yeah, Paul Graham is, is right. You can't have only cool projects. Actually, he didn't say you can't have only cool projects. Maybe that was only an implication for people who are, uh, are responding to him. But I think that um, cool projects are not necessarily useless. Uh, I think good companies will channel cool projects into the appropriate places. Uh, you know, I did that uh, myself with Foursquare Attribution, where I wanted to build some cool machine learning models, and I ended up uh, discovering a, uh, a better way for companies to uh, to measure their ads, it was very valuable to the company. So the implication is that all the cool projects are useless, which I really don't adhere to. I think if you're bored, it's usually a red flag for something. It might not mean the project is bad. It could. Uh, it could mean the approach to the project is bad. It could be you're not a good fit for the project. So definitely, uh, I, I definitely encourage people to pay attention if they're bored or not. But I don't think this has much to do, or it, it's not the entire piece of a puzz, the puzzle to detect whether a company is in decline or not. A company in decline, I believe, is going to be bad for both the maintainers and the trailblazers. Their well-being usually goes in lockstep. You know, they're, they're not, um, uh, uh, it's, you can prioritize one over the other, and you can frustrate one or the other, but usually... When the company's going downhill, both are frustrated. And so the maintainers are not the type of people that I'm complaining about. Look for the maintainers who are grumpy about not being able to do their job. Look for them saying like, oh, there's a simple thing, but I can't do it because so-and-so, X, Y, and Z. The people responsible for their grumpiness is the bureaucrat class, the one that uh, that uh, I, I just annoy me so much. And so whatever it is, you know, it, it, it's hard to explain this. I have here, a, so, so uh, uh, I, I think, uh, I, I, I think that just to, just to close that off, I think that um, that's kind of how it works. Where it's uh, it's it's you got to you got to look at it from from both ends. I, I want to kind of continue up on that on on a on a follow up episode because I feel like the whole maintainer versus trailblazer thing is really interesting, and how do you achieve that balance? Um, Okay, I have here a tweet thread that was, quote, 
wiped off the face of the internet. That's why it came here today. And recently, so it was kind of interesting. You know, I looked at it, whatever. But once I discovered that it was, quote, wiped off the face of the internet, I was like, oh, now I really want to talk about this. <laughs> I'm worried that if I talk about it, I'll be wiped off the face of the internet. But I don't think so. So not only was this... Uh, was this person's Twitter account deleted, but the content was wiped off the Internet Archive. Now, for those of you who know the Internet Archive, they have this Wayback Machine that you can use to uh, look up websites to see, I don't know, what was, um, you know, what was Netflix.com look, what did Netflix.com look like in, in 2009? You can see that. Or what did, uh, what did CNN.com look like in 2002? You can see all of that on the Internet Archive. It's very hard to remove things from the Internet. I guess it's not hard for the Internet Archive itself to remove things from the Internet Archive. But you don't usually think of removing something from it. Once you take something down from the Internet, unless, I mean, you have to have a really good reason for asking the archives to take it down, I think. So as pointed out by a Twitter sleuth, the Wayback Machine says this URL has been excluded from the Wayback Machine. Not that it doesn't exist, not we don't know what you're talking about, that it's been excluded. So in other words, it sounds like the Internet Archive has this data. They have this tweet storm that was furiously deleted, but they're deciding not to show it at this time. Now, fortunately, other archives of this tweet thread uh, uh, exist, and I'll link to a few, uh, and I was like, well, I, I might, I, because I, you can't wipe something off the face of the internet. I downloaded it directly onto my computer. I guess I could print it out. I put it in a Google Doc, although I'm not, so I don't know if Google really wants me to have this thread in my Google Doc, because it's just so radioactive, but, um, but I have it on my computer. So there's a lot we don't know about this thread. Was the whole thing made up like, you know, it is anonymous. It was written by someone who claims that he works at a big tech company, but it's anonymous, so they could have made it up. But it still struck a chord with a lot of people who say that it's true at their company, and they experienced the same things that he was talking about at his company. They experienced them personally, which is why it went viral. And it's probably why it got so much attention from the authorities. If this person were just making stuff up to stir the part, part, pot, that's pretty much every day at Twitter. But if he was actually, and he didn't actually call anyone out specifically. He called people out, but not by, not by name. So it would be very difficult to determine who he's talking about here. But if he was not saying something that at least got too close to home for someone, then, uh, then I'd be very surprised. Now, before we begin to look at this, I want to point out that I do take issue with some of the language he uses here. It's not, I'm not language policing this per se. It's more that I disagree with his characterizations of some of the types of people that work in the tech industry. Some of them are, are negative. But, you know, the, the fact is he's making these kinds of characterizations to people in different walks of life that... Uh, might have contributed to his banning. Um, you know, so there might be some kind of identity politics with here. But there's nothing in here that's... Let me put it this way. This, and I think you'll agree, this seems pretty weak sauce for the internet. This is not something, in my opinion, that is like, oh my God, that's like, this is the, this is the worst dregs of the internet. No, it's pretty well written, actually. So... Uh, Let's read some of it, and I'll comment on it as we read it. 
as I normally do. I'm going to skip over parts of it. Some of the parts I skip over are kind of juicy in their own right, but I want to save a little bit of time. So uh, if you're interested, you should go over it yourself. So let's read some of it. This is from the account Hazard Harrington without the N at the end. If you try to go to twitter.com slash Hazard Harrington with the N, you get someone else's account. Without the N, you'll see that it's deleted. Uh, let's see what he said that was so horrible that he got banned from the internet. I work at Big Tech, a name you know and have probably used before. I wanted to give you a rundown of what it's like inside now. Obviously, insanely radically left, BLM, LGBTQ, trans flags hanging in the office, pronouns declared before meetings, special affiliation groups for all but white men, everything you would expect. But COVID work from home totally broke people. They are fundamentally weak, often lacking social support outside of work. They are people without children, without a spouse. Ah, oh my God, that's where I'm at right now. Okay, continuing. <laughs> Just a dog or a cat for emotional support. Oh, I don't have one of those. All right, let's continue. There is constant conversation even now about how difficult things are for everyone. Often meetings begin with a walk around the room to ask, how is everyone feeling? Literally everybody else made speeches about their lives. I'm pissed that a white supremacist shot three black men in Kenosha! Exclamation point. By the way, that's... um. That's Kyle Rittenhouse uh, that they're referring to for people who are listening to this. I pe People already forget, but it turned out that uh, none of that was true. And people did say things like that. Uh, it turned out none of that was true. <laughs> anyway, continuing. It's toxic. When it came to me, I said, I'm fine. And then one of the engineering ladies literally, and this is why he seems to like, you know, say the engineering lady is like kind of a sarcastic thing, which is probably not a good thing to do and to try to make this point. But uh, anyway, he's, it's still it's still a good point. When it came to me, I said, I'm fine. And then one engineering lady literally proposed that we should not be allowed to answer the question positively. Hell no. I think it hurt her that I wasn't as miserable as she was. She brought up some arguments about vulnerability. These people not only want you weak, they want you to expose your vulnerabilities to them so that they can exploit them. They may not intend this explicitly, but whatever their distorted ideology, uh, whatever distorted ideology they worship ends up with that result. So back to the morale. Everyone is demoralized. This might surprise you, as anyone working at big tech is extremely well paid and has managed to make work from home in the last two years, or has managed to, to um, make work from home work in the last two years, or has managed to make, I think he's trying, trying to say, they, they've managed to uh, get that pay even while working from home over the last two years. They got extra days off, extra benefits, bonuses. They never had to fear being fired, or almost never. I have some sympathy, and I can feel some of it myself. It's normal and natural to work with people face-to-face. -face. Work from home can ease over work. I think a lot of us have those prob that problem. Uh, work from home can ease over work. You take fewer breaks, often work beyond normal working hours. You don't feel connected to customers or celebrate success in person. As I mentioned, big tech is often the only social life for people. Fortunately, I never did, but my company had all kinds of after-work activities. Um, <laughs> this guy doesn't like that, after-work activities. That's okay. Sports leagues, game nights, different classes, taught by my staff. There was a rhythm and a connection that was gone. The great resignation is real. Many employees are leaving for better jobs. Remote working so far has resulted in more job opportunities for those working at big tech, especially those outside of Silicon Valley. And so 
we fill those positions or hire new people all remotely. And now we have employees with almost two years of work here who have never met another employee in person, and they live alone in some city far away from where the office was. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Bring your whole self to work was big tech's mantra. Tell people about your cool hobbies. Share your politics if you're far left. Share your sex life. By the way, this is true. Uh, you know, people will people share their uh, their drug use. And it's uh, it's uh, I you know what? And I, it didn't bother me. Uh, I does it bother him? It sounds like it didn't doesn't bother him. This is not the thing that bothers him. He, he, some of it gets a little weird, but okay. Continuing this, in addition to the sense of distance that an online only presence creates, has made people braver in expressing their thoughts. Used to have the nerve, you used to have to have the nerve to knock on CEO's office door or schedule a meeting. You could now send a nasty message via Slack directly to her. People will openly write comments and threads all over Slack, bad-mouthing the company's superiors, and they do nothing. So hang on, just to, just to comment on that, I feel like this actually prevents good feedback from happening because the worst people respond in Slack and, uh, or the worst comments get posted in Slack, whereas if you have something really important to talk to the CEO about, you really have to think about, you really, it's, some things are much better in person. And so uh, I think, and then when you see everyone posting all this crap on Slack, it kind of makes you feel like, ah, these people don't want to hear from me because they ha already have to ignore all these other people. So, uh, you know, what am I going to do? So that's, uh, that, that's, that's a big problem. I feel like the, the uh, totally remote sort of um, creates these, these social problems where uh, the uh, management gets completely disconnected from the people they're, they're, they're working on. Okay, so I'm going to skip a little here. It's a little political. Start again. People take constant days off or don't show up without giving satisfaction. It's very easy to hide when working from home with so much employee and management flow and so much mental health allowance. It's easy just not to show up without suffering any punishment. By the way, the mental health allowance, that got so bad over the last few years. It's like, oh, and even before COVID, the few years before COVID, oh, everyone's so upset today because something bad happened in the news. Everyone take a break, take a few days off. It's, it's, it's just like, you know, it always bothered me, and I liked the days off, but it it also felt like an emo. It also felt for me like, and now I'm, I'm talking about myself. By the way, I switched from the article to myself. It felt like emotional manipulation. You know, when the people at the company say, "Oh, the news is so upsetting. Everybody take the day off. Here's some psychologists you can talk to, some therapists you can talk to." Uh, you know, it's there. There, there is a kind of. Um, I guess you can just ignore it and take your day off, which is, yeah, I did sometimes. But th there's something about it that I can't quite put my finger on that just feels so manipulative. But um, anyway, okay, back to, back to where I was, the mental health allowance. Um, we hired a new employee, and I called them at 1 p.m. to see if they would attend a meeting. They arrived 10 minutes later. Uh, they said they slept because they had nothing to do. It must be... <laughs> incomprehensible to someone who is not in the software development field. On any different given day, managers will say things like, what can I do to support you? Do you have enough work? Or is the load too high? It's like emotional support. And you can just say, oh, I've had a rough week. I barely slept. I fell sick. 
Uh, I don't think I can handle much more this week. There's really no real responsibility for anyone. Record profits at the top because of existing code and market adjustment of products moving forward, but leaders do not notice. It's totally surreal to watch the deterioration, to see how quickly an organization can fall apart. And I'm not productive either. I am constantly bombarded with anti-white, anti-masculine, and woke propaganda. Just a little aside comment on that. I think this is true, but I, the propaganda is even broader than that. I think this is this would just be the characterization from it uh, of it from a uh, from a conservative perspective. All right, I'm going to skip a little bit, go to the end. All uh, basically, he goes into it, continues on uh, about how people spend their time on all this nonsense, and there are some really good examples in here. Uh, you know, just woke stuff, DEI meetings, uh, messing with Zoom backgrounds, all of that. Um, and I just want to say, you know, I definitely experienced a lot of this personally the last few years at Foursquare, especially. By the way, I hope Foursquare goes public before fully bearing the brunt of the consequences because we built a lot of really valuable stuff there that uh, I hope will uh, be reflected in the stock price. But <laughs> but uh, uh, that's going to take a long time. That you know, they, they already have that stuff; it's already built, so they don't really need. Uh, they don't, you know, they don't feel the consequences of of some of this right away. Uh, but damn, I hope they go public soon because I, I really get antsy for it. I think the bottom line is that the people in the industry have become zombified. I don't think it'll last. I think a rebirth can happen and a rebirth is happening. So remember this episode, I remember in episode 203, we talked about Steve Jobs. He said, hire for experiences and then focus on the user experience. And I think that a culture of building stuff and celebrating those victories can happen again after some creative destruction occurs. Um, and I actually think regaining the social aspects of work are important. And um, whether you want to downplay all the events and stuff, I get that this author might not want to partake in some of the events, but at some point, we'll all have to start working together again. And hopefully, there'll be less political bullying in the workplace, which has gotten steadily worse over the last uh, uh, 20 years. So whatever you think about uh, this guy's argument, Hazard Harrington, agree with him, disagree with him, I think there is nothing in here that warrants getting wiped off the face of the internet. Now, maybe he deleted deleted his own account, but the archive too? Yeah. Uh, this is a coordinated hit from the trust and safety mafia, the uh, ministries of information, so to speak, at these companies, and it's absolutely shameful. But, uh, but we can go on and on. It gets worse. Remember episode 166 with the coronavirus memory hole? Turns out that there's a lot of stuff I left out in that memory hole, and I'm sure a lot more will turn up over the years. Remember there were these two doctors in Bakersfield, California, who held a press conference in May of 2020. That's uh, Dr. Dan Erickson and Dr. Artin uh, Massey. They spoke for an hour. Uh, they do urgent care, and they were seeing patients all day. They were seeing COVID patients. They were opposed to the lockdowns and the stay-at-home or orders, um, and... Um, one of their main arguments was that there are a lot of public health consequences to forcing people to stay at home as well. There are mental health consequences. There are physical health consequences. You're not getting out. Um, and so they were talking more about, you know, they didn't think that, that the, uh, the balance was, was worth it, if you balance the positive or negative. Taken down. Taken down absolutely everywhere. Here's what YouTube said when they took it down. Quote, 
we quickly remove flagged content that violate our community guidelines, including content that explicitly disputes the efficacy of local healthy authority recommended guidance on social distancing that uh, may lead others to act against that guidance. I'm sorry, that's probably a um, it's probably a type, typo there. Uh, we remove content that explicitly disputes the efficacy of local health authority guidance. Okay, so remember, it was not about incorrect medical advice. They didn't give incorrect medical advice. They didn't give bad medical advice. They didn't tell people to like you know do all this crazy stuff and then they'll prevent COVID. It was for political speech, and it's at the whim of the government who they take their marching orders from. And they said it right in the quote. You know, it's local governments, local health authorities. That's who we take our mar marching orders from. So they're, they're basically um, turning themselves into an arm of the government. Hopefully, uh, then the government will play easy on them on the regulatory side. That's how it works. So fortunately, these guys can't be censored. It's impossible to censor this stuff. Elon Musk liked the tweets from these guys when it came out, or, you know, they weren't tweeting uh, these two doctors, but, but there were tweets on, um, you know, on their, uh, uh, you know, of their video, which was almost an hour long, or maybe it was over an hour long. Uh, so he retweeted it at the time. Now you have Joe Rogan and all that that get around all these censors. Uh, and it, all of this, the, the fact that they have, they banned in May 2020, uh, up till now, they've been banning political speech. It reminds me of a Supreme Court case back in 2007, Morse versus Frederick. Very interesting case because it was somebody who had a sign that said, bong hits for Jesus at school. I, if, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I think that was actually in Alaska. So anyway, he said, bong, bong hits for Jesus. And um, the school wanted to ban it. He said, it violates my constitutional rights. It went all the way to the Supreme Court. Very divided decision. But ultimately, the... Um, conservatives on the Supreme Court and their majority said the school has a right to ban it because uh, it's not political speech. You know, First Amendment applies to political speech. Uh, if it were political speech, you wouldn't be able to ban it, but this is promoting uh, illegal drug use at school. Um, now, the liberals on the court, uh, uh, Justice Ginsburg, and she was alive, and, and uh, who was the other one um, who is who is around today. Uh, oh God, now I've, I'm, I'm, I have to look this up. Supreme Court members. I can't believe that, uh, I can't believe that I, uh, <laughs> I can't believe I forgot it. Breyer, Justice Breyer was in there too. So they all said that no bong hits for Jesus is actually um, legitimate speech and it's protected under the First Amendment and the, it's unconstitutional for the school to, to ban it. I think all of them would agree. I think it would have been 9-0 if the sign had just said legalize marijuana because that's clearly political speech and not promotion. But again, remember the left wing of the court said that this is protected speech, bong hits for Jesus. So what happened? I don't know. So okay, you've got these couple of doctors that are censored, so what? But what if it's not just this one doctor? What if it's thousands of doctors and researchers and politicians and journalists that are being targeted. Uh, here's another one. Again, uh, this is in May 2020, almost two years ago. This is political speech from Newt Witkowski, uh, who lives in New York City, May 2020. Um, and uh, again, he's saying lockdowns don't work, which is not medical information. It's a political position. 
Dr. Newt Witkowski, former head of biostatistics, epidemiology, and research design at Rockefeller University, says YouTube removed a video of him talking about the virus that has racked up more than 1.3 million views. By the way, um, this is from the New York Post. Witkowski, 65, is a ferocious critic of the nation's current steps to fight the coronavirus. He has derided social distancing, say it only prolongs the virus existence and attacks the current lockdown as mostly unnecessary. Witkowski, who holds two doctorates in computer science and medical biometry, believes the coronavirus should be allowed to create herd immunity and that short of a vaccine, the pandemic will only end after it has sufficiently spread through the population. Once again, listen to the YouTube spokesman, uh, Ivy Choi, told the Post in a statement. This is a completely separate statement for a completely separate situation. She said, We quickly remove flag content that violates our community guidelines, including the content that explicitly disputes the efficacy of global or local health authority recommendation guidance on social distancing that may lead others to act against that guidance. We are committed to continuing providing, we are committed to continue. We're committed to continue providing timely and helpful information at this time, except now they added the word global. So uh, instead of local health authorities, now they're looking at uh, local and global health authorities. But notice how they just repeat the same line over and over again. They are robots. They are not impressive people. So the conclusion, fast forward to 2022. Lockdowns are falling in most of the world uh, and it's starting to, uh, the narrative is starting to turn that these were mostly uh, useless. Uh, turned out they were mostly useless, and a lot of people uh, died of COVID. Uh, how many of them actually died with COVID and not from COVID is an open question, but it seems like uh, without the lockdowns, uh, without some of the harder lockdowns, especially uh, without some of the government-mandated lockdowns, uh, it, it the, 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 there there's no evidence that like the, the same number of deaths would have occurred and uh and and governments did terrible with the the vulnerable population with the people in the uh, in the in the nursing homes and whatnot and you know also you know forced a lot of people to die alone remember that but now uh opinion is changing uh lockdowns are are being lifted in most of the world especially in the UK right now and Barry Weiss was on Bill Maher the other day saying, I'm done with COVID. Tweeted all, all over the place. This is more mainstream stuff now. All this stuff that was censored is starting to go mainstream. And some people will be stragglers. That's part of the deal. And, uh, you know, on the downside, look at what all these petty tyrants did. They censored a lot and they were wrong a lot. So they, they did bad things to people for the wrong reasons. Um, but also they, by censoring people, they hurt other people. They, uh, you know, they... They prevented uh, a healthy discussion, which, you know, not meaning that everyone they censored would have been correct, but they actually prevented, uh, they actually prevented people from learning things that might help them in the long run. But fortunately, they never win in the long run. And uh, it looks like this is, uh, uh, this is being settled a lot better in 2022 than it is in 2020, but uh, it's important not to forget and to take an accounting of what happened. So, um, Yes, all of this is being taken down, and this is uh, just something bad that happens in human societies every once in a while, 
and uh, we're going to have to relearn a lot of lessons, but we will, we are learning them and we are winning. So that's the good news. Have a great week, everyone. That's the show. To support The Local Maximum, sign up for exclusive content and our online community at Maximum.Locals.com. The Local Maximum is available wherever podcasts are found. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe on your podcast app. Also, check out the website with show notes and additional materials at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. Have a great week. Feel the power.